Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. It's my favorite joke of all time. Uh, how do you turn a duck into a popular soul singer? How? Put it in the microwave until it's Bill Withers. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from 89.3 KPCC in Los Angeles, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that gives you talking points and bon mots to help you win your next dinner party. This week's icebreaker came from pop maestro Ed Harcourt. Thanks, Ed. And later we'll be talking with our guest of honor, cartoonist David Heatley. But first, as with any dinner party, we start off with small talk. You're going to be talking about the week's news at this weekend's party. Who better to tell you which news is worth bringing up than the people who report it? So we hoofed it across the lobby to talk to our colleagues at Public Radio's business show, Marketplace. George Judson, managing editor of Marketplace, uh, when you go to a dinner party this weekend, what's the one story you're going to be talking about? Well, I think it's an accumulated story. It's not a single event, but I think this is the week everyone is figuring out what really happened to them with the stock markets. I think they're looking at their 401ks and they're thinking about how their lives are going to be different. They've gotten to that stage in the, the different phases of grief to acceptance. So your your guess is emergency wards are going to be packed this weekend with people jumping out the second story windows of their jumbo loaned homes? No, I think people are going to be asking for more wine. <laughs> Jennifer Collins, associate producer at Marketplace Morning Report, what is your story of the week? Well, I know people are going to be asking me about the auto bailout. You know, the big three heading down to Washington trying to ask for $34 billion and... The thing that really gets me is that the first time they flew down in their, you know, corporate jets, right, and they got a lot of flack for that. And this time they drove down in their hybrid vehicles, and yet still nobody's happy. I mean, do they want them? To, do they want them to ski down or to, you know, I guess to run or bike down? You know, the thing I think they want, I think they just want them to make their own money. In America? <laughs> I think they want them to run profitable companies. Jennifer, go back to Russia. Stacey Vanek-Smith, what are you going to be talking about at your dinner party this weekend? Insurance. Explain. United Health Group is going to start offering insurance to cover health insurance. So it's insurance insurance? Yes, it is, actually. So if you're... Are you sure that's not being offered by Little Caesars? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, how it works is you can buy insurance that will insure you in case your health insurance company drops you, then you will have insurance. So... If your one healthcare company drops your insurance, wouldn't United Healthcare not want to give you insurance? And how do you protect against that? I think you'd have to get insurance for the insurance for your insurance. So you're talking about insurance, insurance, insurance. And if the insurance industry has to be thrilled about this, right? <laughs> and now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you about something that happened this week in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's our famed history lesson with booze. First, the history. This week back in 1952, London was blanketed by a cloud of fog. Now, most folks at your dinner party will think that sounds romantic. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here to tell us otherwise. The British invented crumpets, the Beatles, and smog. True. The word was coined in 1905 to describe the clouds of coal smoke and fog shrouding UK cities. And on December 5, 1952, the Brits also gave us the worst single example of smog ever. 
A cold fog blew into London that day, hit a high-pressure system, and got trapped over the city. The smoggy air sat there for days, and millions of Londoners made it worse, because the weather was so cold, they all fired up their coal-burning heaters. The stew of soot and fog got so thick in some places, people couldn't see their own feet. Soon, the pollution stretched hundreds of miles. They called it the Big Smoke. Planes were grounded, trains stopped running, and so did ambulances, which was kind of an issue for folks who already had breathing ailments. At least 4,000 of them eventually died, maybe more like 12,000. Londoners knew it was getting bad when undertakers started running low on coffins. Afterwards, England passed a bunch of clean air laws. Did they work? Mm, kinda. Just 10 years later, another big smoke hit England. That one claimed around 700 lives. Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. Where did we go So that's the history. Now for the drink to serve with it. And I could use one after that. On the line with me is Martin Ball. He's speaking to me from the Match Bar in the Clerkenwell area of London. And firstly, Martin, how's the air quality over there today? It's not bad. It's a bit drizzly, but it's not bad. (laughs) Well, thank God for that. So what cocktail does this episode in British history inspire you to make? We came up with a gin-based cocktail. We use uh, about two and a half ounces of uh, beef eater gin, the only gin that's still made and produced in London. Really? Beef eater? Yeah. All right. So that's the base of the drink. What's the rest of it? Next, we've got um, what we call here the standard dash of pash. So a dash of passion fruit, which is, you know, it's a standard in some of our drinks around here. Just adds a different bit of sweetness to the drink. All right. Three quarters of an ounce lemon, three quarters of an ounce sugar. Then um, just half an egg white. Just drop that in there. Really? Yes, gives it that cloudy effect, you know, to relate to the great smog. Oh, right. So it's actually, so it's going to be like a cloudy looking yeah. drink. Yeah. <laughs> Quite clever of you. And just on the top of that, just float about a bar spoonful of Lagavulin or a really smoky Islay whiskey. All right. Give it that flavor, that back taste of smoke. Oh my, you have run with this theme, my friend. <laughs> All right. And, that, and what do you name this drink? Uh, we call it the 52 Fizz. Well, that's a lot nicer than calling it like the London smog or something. Yeah. And a lot nicer to inhale. Well, if it doesn't kill you, it will kill you, definitely. So, Brendan, that drink sounds great, but sure. I, I was thinking about it, and here in L.A., I'm not sure I want a cocktail that looks and tastes like the air I breathe. You know, but combining gin and eggs in one glass would really cut down on my dishes. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find the recipe for this most practical of beverages on our website. It's dinnerpartydownload.com. Our guest of honor this week is David Heatley. He's a cartoonist whose work has appeared in The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, several McSweeney's publications, and now he has a new book out called My Brain is Hanging Upside Down. It's an autobiographical comic, and when I say autobiographical, I... I mean, it's really autobiographical. David, can you explain the concept behind your book? Sure. It's basically a, a self-portrait in comics. The, the strips themselves are very much like tabulating events or you know, sort of keeping an inventory of what's happened in my life. If I talk about my sex life, it has to be every single interaction from pre-kindergarten up to marriage. And, you know, the, the, the joke is like, don't leave anything out. Some people, I'm sure, absolutely hate it. They find it maddening. The only thing that I found maddening was the fact that you have a 
you had a pre-kindergarten sex life, which... Uh, <laughs> it was nothing to write home about or anything. <laughs> but it was something to draw a picture of. Okay, so on our show, we have two questions. And the first one is, what question are you a little tired of being asked? Or th- what's the one question you get asked all the time? Um, everyone seems to want to know how my family reacts to my work, especially the sex history and the strips about my parents. Well, what were your parents' reactions? My dad... His whole thing is, you know, he loves me. He wants me to be successful and happy. So any pain I might cause him and the stuff I wind up telling, he just forgives it. My mom is actually, you know, sort of like handing your mom a stack of every resentment you've ever had and saying, you know, what do you think of this? And, and she really, she really stepped up to the plate and she, we, we talked it all through. And uh, What were some of the things you and your mother had to work through? My mom has always been like jealous of and threatened by my success and my work. I think she's... She's just jealous that I don't struggle with the things she struggled with because she was a better mom than she had. I feel that sometimes with my kids, like, wow, I never had this as a kid, and here you are getting it. And you got to sort of check that very natural human impulse to be jealous, you know? And so now the other question is, might be a little difficult for you, who uh, document your life pretty thoroughly. Tell us something we don't know about you, something that's not commonly known. I actually really love um, bad, a couple of bad reality TV shows. Really? Yeah, probably my favorite show right now is um, So You Think You Can Dance. (laughs) You know, it starts with, I don't know, 20 dancers or something, and then they compete against each other and as couples, and it's a very sexy show. I watch it with my wife, and we just love it. I think I know what your next comic's going to be about. If you head to our website this week, David Heatley was kind enough to draw the banner for it. You can check it out at dinnerpartydownload.com. So we've met our guest of honor, and that brings us to the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. Brendan, Thanksgiving is over, December is here, and if you listen real close, you can almost hear the distant sound of sleigh bells. And that can only mean one thing. Oh yeah, it's National Peanut Butter Month. Exactly. So I sat down with Adrian Vasquez. He is pastry chef at the two Michelin star restaurant Providence here in L.A. Oh, uh, may we? Where he is known for his sophisticated treatment of, among many other things, peanut butter. And I started off with a confession. My peanut butter sandwich growing up was peanut butter and cream cheese, generally on like wheat. Wow, I never had that luxury. There was in, in Oakland, and there still is, a, an old-fashioned creamery called Fenton's, and that's actually where I had my first grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it's something I actually have for lunch here at the restaurant probably three times a week. It's a grilled peanut butter? Grilled per se, like on a grill, but like just clarified butter in a pan toasty on both sides and the peanut butter just gets all hot and gooey and it's just delicious. I I confess I've never had one, but I'm going to eat five of them immediately upon leaving this place. I'll make you one later. And then, you know, there's the famous uh, peanut butter company sandwich shop in New York that does all kinds of peanut butter sandwiches. Why there isn't one here, I don't know. Because we have you. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Speaking of which, so tell us one of your more outrageous peanut butter sandwich type creations. Okay, I don't know if I'd call it outrageous, but it was definitely based on peanut butter and banana. We take some peanut butter, equal parts water and equal parts banana, bound it with a little bit of gelatin and make kind of like a gel. And even though there is water in there, it's still very much peanut butter flavor. You make a peanut butter gel? Yeah. Why not just spread on some peanut butter? Well, this way it looks very clean and presentable. I can cut it uniformly and it's a perfectly monolithic square. 
What's wrong with making it a little rustic? It's just not that kind of restaurant, and we do it because I can. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Right. And we'd take some banana bread, dehydrated banana bread that's very, very thin. And then we'd sandwich the peanut butter gel in between, kind of like a Napoleon. And just to make it somewhat different, we would serve it with a tamarind Thai chili sauce. Um, do you ever just like go home and spread some Peter Pan on Wonder Bread and call it a day? Of course. R- literally Peter Pan and Wonder Bread? Well, not, okay. I, I prefer Jeff. There's a food going around that's a sticky, sticky Hey, Rico, I'm really glad you did that story because, you know, it's already the middle of December and I haven't even bought my peanut butter tree yet. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got a peanut butter tree. I like my people get one Reese's piece a day for eight days. And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. Thanks to our researcher, Jessica Dial, and thanks to John Raby and Queen of Kim. You should check out their show, Off Ramp, at kpcc.org. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. From the soundtrack of Jean-Luc Godard's 1966 film, Masculine Feminine, this is Chantal Goya with Tout Montreux Menti. Et comme toutes les semaines, nous disons bon appétit. Tu m'as trop menti Tu connaissais mon adresse Tu ne m'as pas écrit Tu m'as fait trop de peine Quand tout au long des jours J'attendais que revienne L'écho d'un plus beau jour Je ne crois plus en tes promesses Tu m'as trop menti D'autres filles à ces promesses Ont déjà dit oui Amusant de mes larmes versées pour cet amour Amusant de mon âme, tu me laisses à mes jours Tu m'as trop menti Je n'ai plus que la tristesse Pour croire à la vie Implorant l'existence Qu'un jour tu comprendras Et pour ma délivrance Je pourrais croire en toi Je pourrais croire en toi Je m'appelle Rico Galliano Je m'appelle Brendan Noonan. Laissez le bon temps rouler! Allez-y! <laughs> what am I saying? That, that doesn't, that's not even French. What is this? It's allons-y. Allons-y! All right, I got it now. I got it. <laughs>